0: The series that we're in is based on some of the songs that many of you have selected as being songs that meant something to you, that bring you inspiration and bring you hope. Uh, the song that kind of is the theme of the day is the song we sang earlier, In Christ Alone. And that song is able to express some things that perhaps we can't express in our own words. The songwriters often, Uh, are able to put things in such a way that just very clearly express our beliefs, very clearly express what we feel about Jesus. You know, that's what we gather. And so I want to share some thoughts to you uh, about In Christ Alone this morning. And I want to start with, for Christians, uh, what should be a fairly familiar passage of Scripture in Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples... Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say that I am? Who do people say Jesus is today? He's probably one of the most recognizable historical figures and probably one of the most misunderstood. Not just by those who don't know him, but even misunderstood by those of us who claim to know him. So if Jesus were walking down the street today and he would say to random people, who do you say that, of course I don't think he'd say it quite that way, but who do you say that I am? What, what do random people that you meet or might meet every day say about Jesus? Who do they say he is? audience participation. (laughs) A good man. Prophet, moral teacher. Son of God. Okay, healer, store, and redeemer. What else? Savior. Now, folks, this is all extremely religious, but I have news for you. Most people on the street won't say what you said, except for perhaps good man and good teacher. Most people today don't know who Jesus is, like you know who Jesus is. It's a little astounding to those of us that remain in a Christian bubble. But those who are outside the Christian bubble, Jesus is just, well, let's look at this. I mean, I believe in Jesus and I think he was a very inspirate, his teachings were very inspirational. I'm all about Jesus. <laughs> I love Jesus um, and I think that his teachings and his beliefs were pure. Well, Jesus was the first historical figure who didn't treat women as unclean second-class citizens. I think of um, a, a person um, who, who was beautiful and, and loving and, and I think basically enlightened, Like 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 a, another Buddha, basically. You know? uh, Jesus seems like uh, if, if what the, if the stories are true, he seems like a pretty all right guy. Uh, you have to admire anyone who would die for what they believe in. He's a pretty all right guy. You know, if you were to walk down Kirkwood on any given day, that's the kind of answers you would get. Uh, the, the old song: "Jesus is just all right with me." You know, he's okay. Well, back in 2000, the, the physicist Michael Hart wrote a book called The 100. Now, I don't know why he had the authority to do this, but he picked the 100, in his view, most influential historical uh, people in the world. The 100 most influential people. Where do you think Jesus fell on that spectrum? He fell number three. Not bad. Uh, Muhammad was first. Isaac Newton was second. And Jesus was three. He got the bronze. So Hart goes on to say something like this. Uh, Jesus was the inspiration for the most influential religion in history. And then he said, Jesus had an extraordinarily impressive personality. So I guess he won the, the personality award for the top 100. I don't know. You know, even if Jesus was just merely an inspirational person... He still changed the world. John Artberg writes about the ways that Jesus has influenced our cultures throughout the centuries. Let me name some of the ways that Jesus, as a person, influenced our world. One thing is his uh, his teaching and treatment of children. In the ancient time, children weren't exactly uh, valued very highly. And Jesus' love and care... And concern for children has elevated their importance in our societies today. Jesus' call to love God with everything we have, including our minds, has led to the move for universal literacy and education for all, even those who aren't the elite of society. In fact, our universities today, Indiana University and others, were seminaries to start with. Jesus had compassion for everyone that he met, much, much different than the culture that was around him. Everyone counted in the eyes of Jesus, and that idea of compassion has been translated into almost every culture of our world today. Jesus lived a life as a humble servant. He was a leader, but he was serving others. One preacher wrote this It is unlikely that any of us would aspire to humility were it not for the historical impact of Jesus. Jesus led through serving. In the ancient world, rewarding your friends and punishing your enemies was the norm. But Jesus came along and talked about forgiveness and love of enemies and peace with everyone. Jesus spoke up for all of those in the world that were excluded. The least and the, the last of all of humanity. And that has sprung up movements of humanitarian efforts to alleviate poverty. All sorts of things have happened because of Jesus' influence and compassion and care for our world. And so even if he was just an impressive personality, he is affected all of history in these ways and many. And this is where many people stop. Jesus was a good man, and he was a good teacher. But he is much more than a good man and a good teacher, and that's why we're here today. Let's pick up the story again in verse 15. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. When when Peter says to Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Messiah uh, is the Hebrew term for a liberator or king. And many times we read this, we see the translation, you are the Christ. That is the Greek word, uh, which means anointed one. So you know in the olden olden days king time uh, kings were were inaugurated so to speak by anointing their head by pouring oil over their heads and this signified that they have been chosen and and, and so what Peter is saying to Jesus is you are the king that God has chosen you are the king that God has chosen the Jewish people were looking for a liberator. They were looking for someone to save them from Roman oppression. We all know about the times that uh, Jesus lived in, how the Romans had conquered everything. They weren't exactly nice people. They uh, imposed a lot of rules and regulations and taxes upon uh, the Jewish people. And they just felt burdened by this. And so when Peter says, you are the Messiah, the king that God has chosen, Peter had something little bit different in mind than what Jesus had in mind and for the plan of God. So we see throughout the New Testament, uh, uh, the gospels, Jesus and even the other writers of the gospels trying to help people understand that Jesus' kingdom is not a literal kingdom. It is not a political kingdom. It is a spiritual kingdom. And it's far greater than any literal kingdom could ever be because it lasts eternally. A kingdom of God, the kingdom where Jesus is the king is made up of those who submit their lives to God and who let him reign over them. The preacher Scott Dudley said this, the religion you choose will be based on the problem you think you have. The religion you choose will be based on the problem you think you had. The problem the disciples had was, we need liberation from this oppressive Roman government. And so when When Peter says you are the king that God has anointed, the only thing Peter really has in mind at this point is you're going to get us out of this mess. You are going to turn this world upside down and we are going to be in control again. We will be free. We will be liberated. The problem the disciples had, Jesus became the solution. He's going to do this for us. And before we think, oh, that's kind of a narrow view of Jesus let's remember that we also often have a narrow view of Jesus. We look to him for that little problem that we want to solve. We look to him for that issue that seems to be plaguing us that only he can have and so if He can solve that. He's a little like our good luck charm or our rabbit's foot. You know, we can depend on Jesus to do this for us, but he is so much more. Now, it's not that he may not do those things with us and for us but he's so much more than just a very narrow picture. In Christ alone means more than just what we think of Jesus. It's bigger than that. So another question we might ask is, who does Jesus say he is? I think it's important for us to know who he thinks he is. And for that answer, we go to a very familiar passage of scripture in John 14. Remember, as they gathered together some of the last teachings of Jesus, uh, Jesus begins to tell them, I am gonna go away. And they get really stressed out about that, because after all, if he's a liberating king, how can the king liberate if he's going to be gone? And so Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus makes some startling claims as he speaks to his followers this claim is is just amazing for he says what i am the exclusive exclusive way to god there are no others Uh, barclay gives this illustration i'm going to paraphrase it. not charles barclay william barclay (laughs) the english theologian Uh, He says, suppose, and I'm going to just change it to blooming. Suppose that as the students are coming into town next month, uh, someone comes up to you and says, I need to get somewhere. Can you give me directions? Because I'm confused. And you say, okay, here's what you do. You go out of this parking lot and you turn east. That would be right. Okay. And then you're going to go up the hill and then there's going to be a roundabout. And when you get the roundabout, you'll take the third exit and then you'll go north for a while. I don't know for sure how long because I've lived here so long. I don't know how far it is. I just go till I know. And you're going to go through uh, three stoplights, I think. And then you're going to turn back west. But oh, no, you can't do that. You've got to go one more street because that's a one way street. And then you, you know, the person's probably going to get lost. What if you would say to that person, follow me, I'll take you there. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. What he's saying is, I'll take you with me. Follow me, I know the way. By the way, that's not just a a good strategy to following Jesus, but that's a strategy Jesus even uses today as we seek to have people learn more about him. Follow me as I follow Jesus. So the first thing is this exclusive claim that he makes that he is the only way to God. And then Philip wants some more clarification because he's the only way to the Father. Then he says this, Lord, show us the Father. That that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Not only does Jesus say he's the exclusive way to the Father, he also says he is the exact representation of God. This is probably one of the most incredible statements Jesus ever makes. He says, you look at me, you see God. You want to understand what God is like? Watch me, follow me. The people of Jesus' day would have never dared to say that. And in fact, when he says this, When he hints at this, they cry blasphemy. He is sinning against God. No wonder the religious leaders wanted to put him to death because he was placing himself on a level with God himself. But you know, those words were pretty divisive then, but they're still divisive today. We seem to want a way to the Father that is multiple choice. How do I find God is the question. Then we get A, Jesus B, C, all these other ways. And maybe a D, all of the above. I can just pick and choose what I want. And then maybe an E, none of the above. There's no way to get to the Father. But Jesus says, not only am I uh, the exact representation of God, you have to choose A. There is no other choice but A. It is the right answer. There is no other answer. That hardly seems like a nice guy to me. There's only one way. One author says, Jesus is scandalously nice. He is nice to all the wrong people and offensive to all the right people. As you see Jesus in his ministry, he says some things that are pretty offensive to who? The religious leaders. Jesus uses that word hypocrite several times to refer to religious people who are trying to find God by all these rules and regulations, and he calls them hypocrites, play actors. But to the seeker and the skeptic, he's no better because he says, there's no other choice that you have to make. You're either on my side and let me show you the way to the Father, or there is no other side. Either it's true, Jesus is the son of the God, living God, or it's not true. C.S. Lewis wrote some famous words on this subject that I know many of you have read, but I think they bear repeating uh, as it relates to this passage. Let me read it for you. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, Or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher or a nice guy. He has not let that open to us. He did not intend to. We sing songs about Jesus, teach, and we preach about him, pray in his name, serve others in his name. We do that because we believe... He is the son of God, or do we? So we must answer that question that's asked of Peter. Who do you say that I am, Jesus asks. And before we get to the final answer, we ought to consider one more question. Who does Jesus say that you are? I could be Tim Thompson and sing. He sang last week in the sermon and everybody liked it, but I'm not gonna do that. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not a trendsetter like he is but you remember the old song uh, Jesus loves me this I know I mean the Bible tells us so what does Jesus think of me he loves us God created us in his image and a loving God reaches to us through Jesus because he loves his creation for God so loved the world that he gave his son it's a given Jesus loves us God loves his people But even more astounding than that is how God feels about all of us who choose to believe in him and to follow Jesus. Let me read a little further in this passage. "'Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing.'" And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now that's pretty astounding. Jesus has left this whole business to us. He has left the business of good news. He has left the business of love and compassion and and carrying out his work to us. Now that's pretty risky if you ask me. And yet he says, you will do greater things than I could do. Why? Because he was limited in his human form to just where he could be. We have not been limited. We are scattered all over the world. And these disciples of Jesus changed their world. They turned it upside down because Jesus gave it to them and they took it. And they made something of it. They went farther than he could go. And they scattered Here's the point. Not only does God love the whole world and loves us, he also believes in his people. He thinks we can do it. He wants us to do it. In fact, we're the only plan he's got. I'm reminded of the story early on when Jesus is taught and, the, and, and he goes away and the guys are going out in the boat. Remember that? And then there's storms and all of a sudden they see Jesus out on the water, They think he's a ghost. And they're all afraid. Jesus says, don't be afraid. And Jesus is walking on the water. Remember that story? And then what does Peter do? He says what? Let me come to you. Remember, does anybody remember that story? Am I just, okay, nod your heads. Okay. So what happens? Jesus asks Peter to come to him. Peter steps out of the boat. what 's he do? He starts walking toward Jesus. And all of a sudden, he loses focus. And what happens? He sinks. Now, here's what The point is, obviously, Jesus says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? You need to have faith in Jesus. But why did Jesus ask him to come out of the boat if he didn't think he could do it? He knew Peter could do it because of the power of Jesus working in his life. That was a given. But Peter lost faith, not only in Jesus, but lost faith in himself. God loves everybody. And he has left this. He loves everybody. Us and the world so much he's left the job to us to complete it. Now that's heavy. And because that's the case we can't be on the fence about who Jesus is. He either is who he says he is or he isn't. We can't have Jesus add and everything else. Remember Jesus said you can't serve two masters. That's why he is so insistent on us knowing that he is the way, the truth, the life, the exact representation of God. He was so willing that he went to the cross for us so that we might have the way back to God. So the question comes back to us, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he a lunatic? Is he a liar? Or is he the Christ, the son of the living God? Tim Keller tells a story about... um, Let let me try to tell it this way. Um, He says, suppose you have a friend who has a terrible disease. He asks you to go to the doctor with him. You go to this doctor and the doctor says, I have good news for you and a little bad news. I have a remedy for this disease. It is a life-threatening disease, but if you take this little pill every day, you will not die from this disease. But there's one catch. The drug interacts with chocolate. So you can never have chocolate Again. What would your friend say? Well, no way, forget it, no chocolate. What's the use of living? I'll just, you know, take the pill and eat chocolate anyway. You cannot have it both ways. Either Jesus is the Son of the living God, the Messiah, or He's not. It can't be Jesus plus. So we must say no conditions. If you are God, you're not my supplement. I have to reorder my life around what you think is important. So as we kind of round, wind up here towards the end, uh, a question, another question haunts me. I ask a lot of questions. A question haunts me. Uh, l- let's just consider any of us, me included, last week, I don't know what day it would be, let's just say Tuesday. If a, a documentarian followed you around Tuesday, and followed around someone who is far from God and looked at your lives, what would be the difference? If Jesus is the center of your life, wouldn't you think in some way on Tuesday you would be different than a person far from God? After all, he's left this whole business to you and me. But as I think about it, I think about Tuesday and of course I work here, so it's a little easier because I'm supposed to just be sitting around praying all day, but it's hard for us here too, by the way. As I think about it, I don't know that I would be different than anybody else on Tuesday last week. I don't know that the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God made any big difference to me on Tuesday. And that bothers me. Some of you feel like you're coasting or you're, you're on a plateau. And it's probably because we don't consider the difference should be. We need to reacquaint ourselves with the original Jesus. Not that Jesus that we think we need, but the Jesus that really wants us to be more like him. How do we do that? Well, there's a lot of ways. But, you know, in, I've got a hundred Bibles probably. I should read them more than just have them. But uh, there are red letters in your Bible. Many of them. Supposedly the words of Jesus. Perhaps one of the ways you might kind of rekindle your affection for Jesus is to read the red letters, find out what he said. Uh, Several years ago, there's this movement, WWJD. Remember that? Oh, what is, what did that stand for? Well, you see, when, when you, when you say that, that sort of leaves room for what would Jesus? Well, I think Jesus would, you know, I think he want me to feel good. You know, I mean that leaves room for interpretation. I mean, I can just guess. I I would like to suggest to you, don't do W W J D. Do W D J D. What did Jesus do? The only predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So if you look and follow the life of Jesus and say, how did he live? There's no guess on, well, I think he just wants me to be happy. I've had people tell me that to excuse the most, you know, horrible kinds of sin. Well, you know, I don't think he means for me to be in this relationship because, you know, you've heard that too. What did Jesus do? Only when you can connect with that can you reconnect with the purpose that God has for your life. Now, some of you, Maybe skeptics here today. And I don't really blame you because I've been a Christian all my life, but this this stuff all sounds pretty fantastic, really. It's supernatural. And and we believe that there is something beyond the natural. Well, if you're a skeptic or a seeker, you're welcome here because some of us are the same way. We just call ourselves Christians and we're still skeptics and still seekers. But if you're really serious about getting to know Jesus, just to find out more about him, I would suggest taking a Bible and reading the book of Mark, it's quick, It's short and it tells us what Jesus did. And I think you'll like that Jesus. And I think you want to get to know him a little more. And there are some Christians who are pretty nice, and you could might get along with them. You might even like them. Get together with a Christian and say, you know, walk with me. Show me. Help me. Understand who Jesus is. That gets us back to the purpose to which he called us. He has left it to us. And he says, I believe in you. Will you believe in him? And that's the choice we have this morning. Every last one of us, will we recommit ourselves? Will we decide to follow Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, in a better, in a way that doesn't just uh, keep him in a box, but opens him up to all the possibilities that he wants for all of us.